song through endless ages, Jesus led me uh, all the way. If you could please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 9. we thinking together on this psalm uh, tonight. The last uh, Lord's Day evening, we considered Psalm 8 uh, and that great uh, cry of uh, David of how majestic was the name of the Lord uh, in all the earth. And uh, tonight we come to what uh, really can be seen as one of the first, or the first, uh, psalm of, of praise in the Psalter. Uh, we've seen a lot of different things uh, from the Psalter already, different uh, trials. So we've talked about uh, the Lord's justice, and we've talked about the, uh, the distress of his people at times. We've talked about the king who's been enthroned on Zion, his holy hill. This is really the first uh, psalm that really focuses us, us first of all, towards the praise of the Lord. And so this is the word of the Lord uh, from Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you've maintained my just cause. You've sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You've rebuked the nations. You've made the wicked perish. You've blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you root out, the very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion Tell among the peoples his deeds, for he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord, see my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made and in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He's executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the works of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not men prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. This is uh, the word of the Lord. Let's pray uh, for his help tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for again glorious hymns to sing. We thank you that we can pray and uh, express our thanks to you for all your blessings and uh, petition you for the help that we're so much in need of. And we thank you that as we gather as your people too, that as we open the word together, uh, we know and trust that you are the one who speaks to us. And so we pray that uh, we would hear your voice uh, tonight clearly in your word that we might know you better, uh, that we might love you more. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Horatius uh, Bonar uh, was born in Edinburgh, Scotland in 1808. He was ordained to the ministry in 1837-1843. He uh, joined the Free Church of Scotland 
And he became a well-known Scottish uh, evangelical preacher and poet, eventually writing about 600 hymns. It's said of one of his hymns, uh, written uh, in 1866, which we have in our hymnal, that uh, the text theme is the consecration of all life as a doxology to God. The equivalent in hymn form of the neo-Calvinist concept that all of life is religion, echoing an emphasis of the Old Testament prophets. This text affirms that lip service of an orthodox heart is not enough. We must live our Christianity in every aspect of our lives each day. That sanctity of life includes the intimate setting of family life and by extension the entire family of God the church. Such a holy lifestyle is possible only in communion with God, in fellowship with thee. The hymn of Horatius Bonar that we have uh, in our hymnal uh, begins like this. Fill thou my life, O Lord my God, in every part with praise, that my whole being may proclaim thy being and thy ways. Not for the lip of praise alone, nor in the praising heart, I ask, but for a life made up of praise in every part. Horatius Bonar. Praise in every part. What does it mean to praise? To praise means to express uh, approval of, admiration of, commendation of, uh, extolation of, uh, laudation of uh, another. That means to... It means to lift high another. Praise. In many ways, as I said, Psalm 9 uh, is the first psalm of praise in the Psalter. At the end of Psalm 7, uh, verse 17, at the end of Psalm 7, we find the first use of sing praise. Psalm 7 ends this way, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord uh, most high. Psalm 8, you'll remember, began with uh, David giving an expression to uh, how majestic the Lord is. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic uh, is your name in all the earth. But Psalm 9 begins uh, with expression, uh, an expression of praise that uh, really only will be repeated um, uh, fully at the end of the Psalter in a, a flurry of psalms of praise. As you know, the Psalter ends with a flurry of praise psalms. Psalm 144 starts, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war. Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God and King. Psalm 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. 147, praise the Lord, for it's good to sing praises to our God. Psalm 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. This is kind of the first psalm that directs us uh, to this matter of Praise. I will give thanks, says David. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad. I will sing praise to your name. And then he calls all of us later in the psalm to sing praises uh, to the Lord. The Psalter is truly uh, a book of praise, which is why the Canadian Reformed Church uh, entitled their songbook just that. Uh, the book of praise. In Psalm 9, praise is introduced as the remedy uh, for a, uh, uh, a spiritual loss of memory. Um, rather than forget the Lord like the nations around them, God's people are called to remember the works of the Lord. And uh, the best way to do that, to remember the works of the Lord, is to live a life of praise. 
of exalting the Lord, holding him high for what he has done. But we really, in this uh, psalm, we have three memories that are described uh, in this Psalter. We've got the memory of the wicked, that is, those who are without God. We've got the memory of the righteous, that is, God's people. Uh, And we have the memory of God himself, the Lord. So first of all, let's consider in Psalm 9 uh, the memory of the wicked. Well, the memory of the wicked we find in Psalm 9 is to be forgetful uh, and foolish. Psalm 9, verse 15, sums it up this way. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He's executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, uh, all the nations that uh, forget uh, God. This passage is what someone has called uh, a description of the the boomerang of sin. Uh, The boomerang of sin. We found it back in Psalm 7, verse 15, about the wicked. When Psalm 7 said this, The wicked makes a pit, digging it out, falls into the hole that he's made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. The boomerang of sin. That is, it always comes back to you, and because you're not watching, it smacks you in the head. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to throw a boomerang. Um, we were in New Zealand, and I always thought, well, we're close enough to Australia, I should really try. But uh, I don't think we ever, we ever did. But that's what the boomerang does. It's the boomerang of sin, the Bible says. You plan something in sin, um, but you yourself get whacked by it. Uh, think of Haman uh, planning the uh, assassination or the death of, of Mordecai. And so he builds a gallows. And he, he ends up dying on it. Or think of the, uh, the brothers of Joseph who, uh, who threw Joseph into a pit. And Joseph is despairing of, his, despairing of his life. But it's actually at the end of Genesis where the brothers are despairing of life and fearing death uh, at the hands of Joseph. Or think about Satan himself, who in the death of Jesus thinks that he is being victorious. And it's actually uh, his death uh, coming at the cross, his defeat at the cross. Well, what's the problem with the wicked? Uh, well, what we find in verse 17, the problem is these wicked are the nations that uh, forget uh, God. And why do they forget God? Well, verses 19 and 20 kind of give us a little more. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Why? Well, let the nations know that they are but men. So the, what memory of the wicked is, is forgetful uh, and, and foolish. Why? Because their minds are full of grandiose thoughts of themselves. Uh, kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a puffer fish. Have you ever seen a puffer fish? Those are amazing. And, uh, uh, but uh, man can be that way. Walking around inflated. You know, think of the Goodyear blimp or something like that. Individuals can do that. Leaders, nations. Forgetting, the Bible says, that they are mere men. That's the wicked. Uh, Memory is forgetful. They forget God, uh, and they really forget themselves. And they end up uh, foolish, falling into their own sin. The problem here really is that the wicked of Psalm 9 have not taken to heart Psalm 8. Psalm 8, you'll remember, what did it first of all teach us of man? It's that man is a humble creature, meant to be humble, when we look at the stars and the heavens and the work of God's hand. Psalm 9 also describes the end of the wicked too. Uh, verse 3 uh, talks about it this way. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish. 
before your presence. Verse 5, you've rebuked the nations, you've made the wicked perish. You've blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out, the very memory of them has perished. The end of the wicked is stumbling, perishing, name blotted out, the memory of them perishing. Why? They have no memory of God. They forget God themselves. They live as if God does not exist. This is the end of those, the Bible says, who reject God uh, and do not repent. Now today is the day of salvation. Jesus has come. And so there is time, of course, to repent. But the Bible is saying, for those who turn away, that is, for those who forget God, their end is destruction. Their memory is forgetful and foolish, you see. How does this happen? Well, children forget God. Parents don't teach them about God. Um, I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, you know, dads so concerned, they'll spend so much time teaching their little boy how to hit a baseball over and over again. Or a mother teaching their daughter how to, how to cook meat again and again and again. Um, but the, the Bible says the first thing we need to teach them uh, is, is about God so that they will not forget him. And we say, well, the issues of life are so pressing, they capture our hearts. The Lord is nudged out of the picture, and not only individuals, but families and nations, this psalm says, forget God. You know, the motto, uh, in God we trust, actually first appeared during the American Civil War on a, on a two-piece scent in 1864. Someone stamped it on there. In God we trust. Then in the 1950s, it became more acceptable in our country. I wonder if anybody in, you know, in the House or in the Senate today would say, how about we say, uh, how about we put up a, um, you know, a placard in Washington, D.C., in God we trust. Oh, <laughs> I don't think that would happen. Nations forget God, too. So we need to make sure, first of all, that the memory of God, who he is, what he's done, is alive and well in us and in our children. We don't want to have the memory of the wicked, forgetful. And foolish. The memory of the righteous, however, uh, we find out in this psalm, is uh, fueled uh, by praise. Notice what the Bible says. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, says David. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to name, O Most High, verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. The memory of the righteous is fueled by praise. Now we have, uh, uh, we t- generally have bad memories. Uh, this past week, I, you know, I usually take a coffee to, uh, uh, as I leave home from Mullica Hill, drive down here to the, to the study, and uh, usually fill up a coffee there at home. And uh, this past week I got into the van, I was about to leave, and I said, my coffee disappeared. Where'd it go? I must have left it inside. I walked back inside. Or I was, about, I was about to pull out and just head off to the, head off to the study. I go back inside and, uh, nope, couldn't find it. Walk out to the van. You know where it is? Uh-huh. On top of the van. You know, I put it right on top of the van. And I was about to back out of the, uh, back out of the, the driveway. And it was a nice ceramic mug, too. It would have smashed all over the place. So thankfully I, thankfully I find it, found it. But um, we generally have bad memories. So the Mayo Clinic says there's, the, there's seven ways to improve your, your memory. I think they can apply spiritually. Seven ways the Mayo Clinic says you can improve your memory. 
First is be physical, uh, physically active every day. They say you should have at least 150 minutes a week of moderate activity. What does that mean spiritually? I think that means you need to be active. Uh, you need to serve. They say you need to stay mentally active so you don't lose your memory. Activities that engage your mind help keep your brain in shape. You need to meditate on the Word of God. Mayo Clinic says you need to spend time with others. Social interaction helps ward off depression and stress. Look for opportunities to get together with loved ones. You need to be devoted to worship uh, and to fellowship. That helps stave off memory loss. Uh, you need to stay organized, says the Mayo Clinic. You're more likely to forget things if your home is cluttered or your notes are in disarray. You need to practice uh, spiritual discipline uh, in your life. You need to sleep well, says the Mayo Clinic. Not getting enough sleep has been linked to memory loss. Take time to rest. The Lord's built a day into your week of rest when you celebrate the weekly Christian Sabbath. Mayo Clinic says you need to eat a healthy diet that helps you with memory loss. A healthy diet is good for your brain. And it's good for your soul. The Bible says you need the milk and the meat of the Word. And the Mayo Clinic says you need to manage chronic health problems. Follow your health care provider's advice for dealing with medical conditions. You need to get spiritual help when you struggle. Christians need uh, a good memory. Well, notice, first of all, uh, that this matter of praise is clearly something David has made a conscious, determined decision to do in these first couple of verses. I will give thanks to the Lord. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and I will sing praise to your name. Thankfulness. Recounting, that is remembering. Calling to mind again and again. Be glad, says David to himself. Commits himself to be glad and exalt, sing, pray. So David had to make a conscious decision. I will, I will, I will, I will. Don't think of David as some kind of naturally happy, you know, always sunny disposition, glasses always half full kind of guy. That's not the kind of guy we've seen in the Psalms. He's in distress in Psalm 4. He's weeping profusely in Psalm 6, almost drowning in his bed, crying for justice in Psalm 7. He's humbled and speechless in Psalm 8. But in Psalm 9, he's determined to praise the Lord. Now, singing praise is not an option for the Christian. It's how we keep the wonderful deeds of God in our mind and in our heart. We praise Him for who He is and for what He's done. And you say to yourself, well, I can't sing. You learn to sing. If you can't sing, you need to be determined. You know, it's funny. The same man who is born not knowing how to drive a car, fish, hunt or golf will do all he can, uh, all he can to learn. Because he must drive and he must fish and he must hunt and he must golf. And yet the same man will give the lame excuse for not singing praise to his Savior that he doesn't know how. Really. You could always learn to sing praise to your Lord and your Savior. Hmm. Yes. You could learn. Because praise fuels 
our memory. Thanksgiving, says David, with our whole heart. Wholehearted praise is what we need to fuel our memory. Now, why is David's praise so wholehearted? Well, here's the things he remembers as he praises the Lord. The Lord is just. This I remember. Verse 4. For you've maintained my just cause. You've sat on the throne uh, giving righteous judgment. He remembers that as he praises the Lord. I know you are just. And I also remember what does the Lord require of you, O man, that you uh, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. I remember that Jesus is the, the judge of the living and the dead. The Lord is just as I, as I sing it and as I praise his name. And I remember he is just. What does he also remember? Well, he remembers that the Lord is a, uh, a stronghold. In verse 9, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. This I remember, the Lord is just. This I remember, the Lord is a stronghold. It's a wonderful word, stronghold. It means the, uh, something that is of, uh, uh, of top or highest security. Somewhere in a high place unreachable by the foe. That's what a stronghold is. It's, it's translated in, in, different, in different ways. But that's what, the, what David remembers about the Lord. And as he's praising him, he's praising him. He's, he's just, he's praising he's his stronghold. He's safe in him. And that he has never uh, forsaken uh, his, his people. You, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You've not abandoned those who've sought you. Why not? Well, later in the psalm, Psalm 22, we'll find the psalmist say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that in the New Testament, it's the Lord Jesus who says those words from the cross. Ah, praise fuels our memory as we, we remember the Lord is just, the Lord's our stronghold, and we remember we're not forsaken because Jesus was forsaken in our place. As we praise the Lord... This I remember, says David. The Lord's just. He's my stronghold. This I remember. The Lord is my uh, salvation. Notice what he says, verse 13. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. Notice the logic here. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Verse 14, that I may recount or retell all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. That is, that I might uh, take joy in you and in your work in my life before everybody, for everyone to see. The purpose of grace received, according to David, remember David here is acknowledging all he has is due to God's grace. But the purpose of grace received is praise recounted. He, he's asking for grace here that he might be a better vehicle uh, for praise of the Lord. Now, that's important. Uh, David does not say here, uh, be gracious to me, Lord, that I might avoid hell. He does not say, be gracious to me, Lord, that I can be without problems or pain in this life. He doesn't say, be gracious to me, Lord. I might never need to work again and have all the wealth uh, I desire. 
He doesn't pray, be gracious to me, O Lord, that I might be puffed up with pride, thinking myself better than others. No, he says, be gracious to me that I might, he actually says uh, in one way, that I might, uh, be gracious to me that I might fulfill, you know that first question and answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Lord, be gracious to me that I can actually uh, fulfill that first question and answer, which is my chief end, which is to glorify God, praise Him, and to enjoy Him forever. That's what he says, that I may recount all your praises and that I might rejoice in your salvation. This is what David prays. Uh, Praise him for all he's done. Praise him for uh, God's uh, work in history. Praise him for his work in your own personal history, you see. This is the, the purpose here of grace, that we might recount his praises. You know, in the history of the church, it is a truth that when there has been a um, when there has been a renewal or when there has been a reformation, when there has been a revival uh, among God's people of coming back to the truth of God's word, that undoubtedly in church history, when there has been a renewal of concern for biblical truth and people getting a hold of the doctrines of grace or something like that, it is a biblical truth that with that uh, adoption and renewal of, of truth in their heart and life, that there's also been a renewal in singing praises to the Lord. And that's why earlier, uh, earlier tonight we sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Where did that song come from? Well, it came out of, came out of the Reformation. It came from Martin Luther when in the time of, of, of Luther and the, and the Reformation. People were gripped by the truths of the Word of God. And what do they do? Well, they sing praises to the Lord and they write hymns. And so in the 18th century, during the time of John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, uh, you ever heard of Charles Wesley? He wrote a lot of hymns, a lot of good hymns. Out of what time? Well, a time of reviving among the church when they were remembering the truth of what God has done and what he was doing. And so they sang and they wrote new songs. Think about the 19th century. Think about Charles Spurgeon in, in England, 19th century. Many of our hymns come from the mid-19th century that you'll find in our hymnal written uh, when the Lord was graciously at work. And so, how do you know if people really know the Lord? How do you know if people have really grasped the truth of the Word of God? All you need to do is this. You just need to listen to them sing. Because if the truth of God's Word really gets a hold of their life, and they understand it, love it, cherish it, all that God's done for them in Christ, they will praise Him. And they will sing His praises. You know, complaining, of course, is our default mode. But we are called to praise. It fuels our memory. So the memory of the wicked is, uh, is forgetful of God. And foolish. The memory of the righteous is, is fueled by praise as we, in our praising his name, exalting his name. What are we doing? We're exalting who he is and what he's done for us. We remember, like David, he is just. We remember he is our stronghold. We remember he is our salvation. But there's another memory in this passage that's very important, and it's actually the most important, and that's the memory of God, who is faithful forever. Notice verse 9. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. 
And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken or abandoned or left behind those who seek you. Have you ever been uh, forgotten or forsaken uh, or abandoned, left behind? Remember when we were in California, I, I, I told myself as a dad that this would never happen, but it happened. We took two cars to worship one day and you know, at Sovereign Grace there in Redlands, California, with all the kids, and then we all went home for a wonderful lunch, and uh, we all, well, Lisa got home, I got home, and then all of a sudden we looked around and uh, said, where's Josiah? <laughs> and a minute or two later, uh, uh, our elder calls on the phone, and uh, hey, and he's laughing, hysterically. I think you forgot somebody. <laughs> Uh, they were already on their way bringing them home. And, uh, so, one time. One time. But it can happen when you get two So there's a reason. There's, there's an excuse there somewhere. Forgotten. Right? And uh, The Bible says the Lord does not forsake his people. He never forgets them. <laughs> like, like, like we do. He never abandons those who seek him. Now, the Bible also tells us that uh, we know that we don't, we can't seek him on our own. Romans 3 says no one seeks God. There's no one who's good. But we also know the Bible says he makes us willing in the day of his power. He actually draws us to himself by his spirit so that we do seek him. And even as we are seeking him, that simply means that the Holy Spirit is already at work uh, in our life. God promised this in Jeremiah 50, verse 4. In those days and in that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel, the people of Judah shall come together, weeping as they come, and they shall seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with faces turned toward it, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten. That is the work of the Lord to bring people to say, uh, Let us be joined to the Lord. Faith. In Jesus Christ, Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Galatians 3, 7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Israel, Judah, Jew, Gentile. It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham who fulfill that promise in Jeremiah 50. We come and seek the Lord as he works in us. And when we come seeking Him, what do we find? The Bible says when you seek Him, you find a faithful God who remembers His covenant, who remembers His promises. For instance, to Abraham, uh, a promised uh, seed, and that through Abram, uh, all the nations of the earth. <clears throat> All the nations of the earth would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. He remembers that promise. He remembers his compassions. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. It says David in verse 12, For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. Calls his people to mind. He does not forget 
He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Oh, you've got to see that, right? Though the wicked forget God, and we are often forgotten by others. Oh, the Lord, the Bible says, is mindful of the afflicted. He does not forsake his people. Verse 18, for the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Why not? Because even when it seems that God is silent, he will not be silent forever. Because he remembers. He remembers. And one of the most wonderful things as we go into a new week that we can remember about the Lord's memory comes to us from Psalm 103, which tells us this. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over, it's gone, its place knows it no more, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. We are not consumed uh, because he remembers uh, that we are dust. He sends his son for our salvation, that all those who trust in him might not perish, but of everlasting life. And he fulfills his promises, all the memory of God, faithful Forever. So we have the memory of the wicked, uh, forgetful and foolish. We have the memory of the righteous, which is fueled by our praise of the Lord. And we have the memory of God, uh, faithful forever. And that makes us, of course, able to sing uh, with Horatius Bonar uh, the rest of his hymn. Praise in the common things of life, its goings out and in. Praise in each duty and in each deed, however small and mean. Fill every part of me with praise. Let all my being speak of thee and of thy love. O Lord, poor though I be and weak. So shalt thou, Lord, from me, aim me, receive the glory due. And so shall I begin on earth, begin on earth the song forever new. So shall... As you go into this new week, so shall no part of day or night from sacredness be free. But all my life, in every step, be fellowship with the praise of the Lord. Fuels the memory of the righteous that we may not forget him, but in fact celebrate him and sing of his glory. May that be true of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this psalm. We thank you, Lord, that uh, as we uh, read this psalm of David, that we ourselves are encouraged ourselves to praise. As we hear David speaking to us, sing praises to the Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that in our own heart and life, Lord, that we would live a life of praise. As we remember that you are just, as we remember that you are our stronghold, as we remember that you are our salvation. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach uh, our children, the children of this church, to praise you, recounting all your wonderful deeds. And, Lord, that that praise of you would, would bring to mind, day by day, night by night, every moment, Lord, fellowship with you, 
thankfulness for your grace and mercy to us. That though you have not forsaken us, you forsook your son on the cross. That he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that we would know that the Savior was forsaken. That we would never be. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love and grace tonight. Help us, Lord, then to live a life of praise. Tonight, tomorrow, and every day that you give us life and that you give us breath. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.